0: Yeah. Hello, and welcome to My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint. On this season of my podcast, I'll be talking to a variety of people, from creative entrepreneurs, to business owners, to writers, to entertainers and others, about being bold and courageous, overcoming obstacles and taking risks, all in the name of chasing dreams and building a career. I hope their stories will inspire you on your own journey. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Richard Cartwright, a television and film photographer veteran. Richard began his career in New York in 1967, and he was a Navy photographer in Vietnam in 1968, then worked in fashion photography in Boston before moving to LA, where he would launch his longstanding career in the entertainment business as a set photographer. Richard has shot countless TV shows and films, ranging from Wedding Crashers to Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Grey's Anatomy to Hildago, and many more. He's also created iconic images of Tina Turner, Robert Downey Jr., Kate Blanchett, and many others. He's worked in the business for well over 40 years and also practices landscape, street, architecture, and still life photography. His work can be seen on his website, richardcartwrightphotography.com. Hi Richard, how are you today?
1: Um, okay, getting over COVID, but I get in there?
0: Oh, I'm glad you're getting better. Um, we'll try to make this as painless as possible for you, <laughs> since you're on okay. the bed. Okay, let's dive in. Uh, what first got you interested in photography, besides that woman in Central Park that you have on your bio, on your website?
1: Well, that was my only interest. I really had no interest in photography um, at at all. I'd come out of high school, and um, I had gone to college briefly. I thought I wanted to work in machine design, but uh, that didn't pan out because of the draft and Mm -hmm. and, and all that. So um, as I was waiting to go on active duty, I was able to get a job at the Bank of New York where I met Peggy at uh, was enamored by her, and a friend of mine lent me a camera. Kind of got me interested in, and I started taking pictures of her. And uh, and then obviously I went on active duty, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I thought that was pretty much the end of my photography career, <laughs> <laughs> um, no matter uh, how brief it was. Because when I got to Vietnam, I was uh, assigned to a gunnery position, and uh, mm. and it was just you know faith that. Um, They were looking for a photographer because the other one was sent home and i forgot the reason why he was sent home um and um you needed to prove that you could take pictures so all i had was pictures of peggy tubing that i developed myself made contact sheets and the navy that was good enough for them
0: Mm.
1: so uh, i still wasn't sure that was going to lead to anywhere Um, either because, um, my, I still extremely naive to photography and, um, when I was approached by the Boston Herald, when I got home, Mm -hmm. um, I said, what do you, what would I be doing? And they told me, I said, I get a 24 hour job and we'll give you a police radio and do all this kind of stuff. And, uh, I said, "That doesn't interest me. I. I already lived that life. Wow, <laughs> so, uh, had no interest. So I, I really floundered after the yeah. service. Um, fortunately, while I was going through that, there was a program called Project Transition, helping us back into the world for yeah. fashion. So you had to find a a sponsor in Boston. I was very lucky. I found a camera store called uh, University Camera, and uh, basically, I worked with them for for free. The Navy was paying me, and I lived in the barracks in um, South Boston, which, as you know now, is a very hip, cool place. But in nineteen sixty-seven, nineteen seventy, 1970, it was a rough neighborhood. And um, I changed my clothes at the USO and go to work, changed back to my Navy uniform to go back to the barracks. I
0: guess um, you have... Peggy, to thank for a lot for your career.
1: Huh? Um, I I do, and and uh, you know I don't give the, the the government much credit for a war I did not believe in. But uh, mm. if I didn't join the if I didn't get into the navy and the situation came about, I would have never had transitioned into a camera store. Uh, who knows what I what do you do with a gunner? What do you transition to a gun shop? I don't know. <laughs> so right. Um Like again, life in the in any field is, I think, eighty percent luck.
0: Yeah, I do.
1: Twenty percent talent.
0: I do believe that. Um, you said that when you returned from Vietnam, you discovered Irving Penn and Richard Avedon. Mm-hmm. How how did their works ultimately influence you?
1: Well, first by their their beauty um you know i've seen you know fashion magazines uh you know i think i think playboy just came out and stuff like that and uh uh you know from pinups to high fashion like these gentlemen did i said this is uh i wonder if i could do this so it, it greatly interested me but i didn't know what went into it it's just not pick up the camera and point and shoot type of thing, and and not only it's the lighting, but it's your um, hair, makeup, wardrobe, locations, right. and all these things. So, I wasn't de- completely deterred by that, um, but I wasn't really getting anywhere with it.
0: Um, so, is the is the way you ended up in Boston over New York? Was you were approached by the um, the Herald? Sorry, the Boston Globe. You said when you came back?
1: I think it was the Herald. It was, before. Uh,
0: was it the Herald? Okay. okay. When there
1: was two papers, I don't know if the Herald's there anymore, but...
0: I think it still is, yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever live in New York and work in fashion photography, or did that all start up when you were in Boston?
1: Um, all in Boston. Okay. Um, in Boston is where I got all my breaks. And uh, oh. I try to go back to New York. Um, um, after the uh, project transition program but uh, I just wasn't the same person and um, it was family stuff I was dealing with but um, but the city was um, also in a downturn uh, situation and uh, not particularly safe I, I didn't find and uh, I don't just it was the charm of the hippie days of, that I remember, um being there, and uh, um, which was very sad to, to see that kind of change and certain uh, musicians and people that I admire, you know, had passed mm-hmm. on. And Martha Luther king, and Robert Kennedy, and I think then and, and John Kennedy. And I, I just, I, I had, a, I just went back to Boston. I saw it younger and more exciting, um, smaller. And just mm-hmm. really a a train ride back to to New York uh, when needed, you
0: know, right that type right. Of thing. How long were you ultimately in Boston before you decided to move to LA?
1: Uh, Thirteen years.
0: Oh wow! So a good amount of time.
1: Yeah. When I got into the union again, Boston gave me my break. Um, I got my break in Boston. Uh, the market was very small. And mm-hmm. uh the producers I worked for at that time invited me to uh do the next project. and they asked me if I could work as a local and I said, Yeah, I had I had family there, which was very hard commuting into Long Island with mm-hmm. with all my gear until I realized I could put it on a camera truck and then I could just travel like a civilian. It was a lot safer.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: And imagine having four cameras and tens of film on a subway station is
0: yeah, that would be challenging and definitely unsafe. Yeah. So when you got to L.A., uh, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were starting your career in the entertainment business? Because uh, that's such a different world than what you were living in in Boston.
1: Yes, I, I well, I had absolutely not much of a portfolio to begin with, you know, a, a fledgling fashion uh, portfolio. And uh, when I learned about um through another woman friend of mine um mm-hmm. that they hired that had still photographers on movies but you have to get into the union all that kind of stuff i was able to find a, a low a budget john sales movie that mm-hmm. some friends of mine were working on and i'm trying to think the name of it i should have wrote it down and i can't take the name of it uh, um well anyway maybe it'll come up to me later uh <laughs> that gave me a, a bit of a taste. I took stills on it, and i um I worked as a grip I did craft serve you know you'd kind of do everything and anything um mm-hmm. um but you know I got a taste of it there, and I said, boy i, I kind of like this, but um, I had no idea, not a clue of how to um, get into izi uh, into a union mm-hmm. and um and uh, That took some doings that that has a lot of, I don't know, what can I say? It wasn't quite legally done. It wasn't quite illegally done. (laughs) But it was done.
0: Well, I imagine after 13 Boston winters that uh, California was a welcome change.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. In New York, too. I mean, uh, they go back to, you know, when I finished that movie in in New York, I, I got myself an apartment. Um, there, and I was, I still had my studio in Boston and I had bought a house with my brother in New Hampshire.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had a lot of property. Um, I couldn't be anywhere at one place long enough to enjoy it. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Wish I still have them today, but
0: we all have real estate history. regrets. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, uh, was I gonna ask you, um, What did your early years in the business look like? Um, I guess, how long did it take you to get into the union and reach a level of success where you felt confident and comfortable that you knew what you were doing, that you could solidly build out a career?
1: I think from the the John Sales movie and me making inquiries, um, i had gone into convention photography i was doing all the hotels in boston which i was making you know very good money yeah um uh, at the time and uh i forget how i i met dickie mcdonough his father his associates had been a political crowd in that in that town and uh he got me involved with the new uh film commission
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um Uh, I started doing, you know, events and parties for them, and they invited me out to uh, Washington, D.C. Not Washington, D.C., California, because of uh, the Teamsters and the film industry were kind of buttonheads. They were, uh, I don't know how, I I, I don't like to talk, they were doing illegal things, let's just say. And, And they were going to make amends for these illegal acts. And um, at the time, I owned a camera store in one of the major hotels where I also had a car rental concession there. And uh, it turned out when I was asked to sit in the head of the Teamsters uh, limousine, which raised a lot of suspicion by the new film commissioner and then the new governor, (laughs) who's a still photographer, being requested to sit in his limo. we realized that we were in business with the same art company and I was prepared to make a deal with him if he wishes to, you know, kind of buy me out of my interest in that. And, um, mm. and he just thought I was a, I was a cool kid. Remember I was a kid, uh, 21, 22, maybe 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, you keep a kid and, um, you're the, you're on the next movie in Boston at that time. I only had an application, in new york for 25 dollars which that, you, know, you might as well throw it out the window but i put it in there paid it and um um boom a movie called parole where i spent all my time in maximum security prisons throughout boston and Concord, and i got all the other ones. Wow. walpole um and uh, and thinking of how who helped me get into the movie business i thought I might have to, I might wind up staying in one of these places. Uh, But (laughs) that, um, and with the great crew, they kind of showed me the ropes, you know, how to Mm -hmm. buy special equipment. You just couldn't sit there by the camera with your motor drive going, you're shooting film. uh, As they were trying to record sound and sensitive scenes and things like that. My friend Johnny Fundus, uh, the boom man, was instrumental in, introduced me to mark jacobson who makes these blimps and that um we've use to keep your cameras quiet and when mm-hmm. you basically you work under the boom band to get your shot in between uh, the assistant cameraman and the camera operator so it it really gave me a chance to get some some nice pictures of these actors um mm-hmm. ellen barkin i think was the one of the lead actresses in it uh i don't think much happened to the rest of the people i in, in their careers from that film and so i got through that and that got me my second film then i realized i'd have to have a place in new york if i really wanted to pursue this further and, they, and these were abc jobs and eventually I got a cbs job and then uh a gentleman there francis kavanaugh uh was new to the business himself, and we just kind of hit it off, and we've stayed Mm -hmm. friends ever since. Uh, When I moved to California, he moved with CBS, so that gave me a leg up here in Los Angeles as to get started. Um, And then I met Jeffrey, Jeffrey Chernoff, through a woman I was seeing at the time, Stephanie Austin, back in New York, that worked for New Line Cinema, mm-hmm. and New Line Cinema was just breaking into the uh, uh, doing theatrical films. I, I believe they were doing uh, you know movies about ski resorts and you know things like that. Um, oh,
0: okay,
1: if they weren't in full entertainment, but Stephanie was at the forefront of that, and, uh, and when I got to meet Jeffrey Chernoff. Uh, He gave me a feature um, that that I did with him in Texas called Johnny Be Good with Uma Thurmond, Robert Downey Jr., and Anthony Michael Hall. And um, I still had my New York apartment, my Boston apartment, and um, my house in New Hampshire. So eventually things started, I had to give up these things because my eyes were on California after coming out here. um, Yeah. You know, prior to that, in December January, and seeing palm trees, they said, "Well, how am I going to get into this union?" Because at the time, the unions were divided: New York, Midwest, and uh, West Coast. So they're very expensive to get in. At that time, maybe a little over five grand a piece. So, oh, wow. Um, and getting into it on the West Coast, if I hadn't done those movies in New York, I wouldn't have met some of the people. Uh, Louis Esposito, I think his name was, um, was the first AD, uh, he was able to get me on a, a movie called Loverboy with Katie Alley in, oh, it's, um, from ER, Big Mick, one of oh, the Oh, the first... yeah,
0: I know that movie, um, Patrick Dempsey. Patrick that?
1: Dempsey, right, yeah. right. McDreamy. Uh, McDreamy. Dr. Yes. Yeah. Him and I would have coffee at a local diner back in the day, and for Maine. I and so know you know, I um, you know work for work for mm-hmm. but um, they were able to hire me before they signed their IA contract. so there's a beautiful law called anybody who wants to be a still photographer, I highly recommend that you get on a film uh, before they sign any union contract, particularly an IA contract for Camber, which would be today local 600 so when you're signed hired before they signed the a con- contract you are tapped heartly into the union and once you're tapped Hartley they can't get rid of you mm. and you need 600 hours to start getting into insurance if you do a feature film it's easy to do i mean because of all the overtime right and, right uh, uh, that you would work and back in those days they could work you six days a week and um so i got all my hours now i was in two unions at over ten thousand dollars in union cards <laughs> <laughs> and and i was fortunate enough through a friend of jeffrey's um uh, to get a rent control apartment in santa monica one bedroom for four hundred dollars a month
0: oh my god
1: which matched my uh studio apartment for about the same money right behind Penn station at the time um dicey neighbor but i i felt safe there it was easy for me to get out to long island and up to boston because it's Penn station you know so
0: right super logistically, it
1: was was pretty cool so i thought it was for a while there dreaming that i could keep everything i had but you can't own a house in new hampshire without being there pipes freeze you know just yeah. Had to be too much. I should have just burned the house down, kept the land, but I wasn't smart enough for that. So, um, and there wasn't any work for me in Boston anymore. So I, I gave up my beautiful nineteenth-century um, photo studio, of twenty-four foot ceilings, north north light. Wow! Um, it was spectacular space. It, it, that was the hardest to give up. Really, you know, broke
0: Oh, goodness. Um, so you mentioned, uh, your work with Patrick Dempsey. Mm-hmm. How do you put your subjects and celebrities specifically like at ease when you're working with them to get the shot you want?
1: Well, you just kind of, I, I just try to treat them like people, you know, um, um, if, you know, fortunately then Patrick was nobody. So, um, I mean, it was very easy to work with, you know. When I later worked with him on ER, you know, he was a, he's a $20 million man then. So, you know, personalities do, uh, do change. Um, they don't feel they, they need the publicity. They, you know, right. they feel that it's all self-earning, motiv- motivated. The systems are all at the place. And, you know, they're concentrating more on their performance. So you go from shooting takes to only rehearsals with people like that. Yeah, Ellen from that Show was like that, you know, used to be able to shoot everything with her. And then as she got more successful and bigger following, it was be came became down to just rehearsals. And a lot of actors, not just these two, um have have in, in their careers have, you know, treated the still photographer that way. Um and you know, in their defense, maybe they are concentrating more on their craft mm-hmm. but when you've been doing the same playing the same doctor for 10 years I mean <laughs> if you don't know it now when are you going to know it I could see it was a bigger bigger challenge some of the more difficult actors um, also had an interest in photography so that helped me a lot because I could talk shop with them you know I yeah. could turn them on to cameras and th- things like that when I did Pitch too, 2, uh, my director uh, was a woman and cast of 12, all female. You know, Rebel Wilson was, uh, she was very difficult. You know, she didn't want to be shot. Uh, she would do a setup, but, you know, and I had to figure out a way how to get to her. So I took her aside and I said, the studios will shoot me if I do this, but I had to get these pictures, Rebel, and uh, if I made photos available to you privately through your email, maybe we can work something out. So we have to do that while she saw I guess she liked the pictures because everything changed. Mm. Now she was very, very, very cooperative. Um, then I felt guilty that I just can't do it for one of them. So right. I did for all of them. I did say personal use only, please, you know, uh, no websites, no promotionals. You can't show anything before the movie's released, yeah. uh, and it's still wait five years later. <laughs> you know, um, And so it's just long well, forgotten. But I, I like, the best part of my job is making memories for people. Whether mm-hmm. it's in the movie business, whether I'm just taking a pretty picture of you, or uh, you know, just no matter, no matter what, Um I like making memories of people. That's history. I love uh, the
0: shot of uh, Tina Turner that you did. Oh, thank you. That It's just so beautiful. Just like captures her spirit, you know. Yeah,
1: and and that um, was a commercial I did um, back in New York. And I knew she was behind the wardrobe. And I just said, Tina and she just pushed her right big smile I, I didn't have a chance to focus that was just just boom it just worked out you, you know and it you know it's not the sharpest picture but the blur and it all add to how exciting and dynamic that woman was mm-hmm. i was uh later went to her show at uh jones beach and mm-hmm. got more um uh, Photographs of her performing, which I was always in awe of her. I remember seeing her with Ike
0: and Carnegie Hall. I still have wow. the album. Wow. Those must be incredible images. Um, so what have been some of your favorite projects, some of your favorite shows and, um, I guess, subjects that you've worked with over the years? Well, Viggo
1: Morganson would be way up on the top of my list. I did a movie called Hildago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a Western you know, loosely based on a true story about half-breed American who um, goes to Arabia uh, with his pony, I guess. On, I don't know my horses that well. Raised against Arabian horses and won.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which in start, but working with him he was also into photography, so we had a lot to, you know, talk about. And he's hundred percent professional with me throughout the whole entire film. Um, made it easy to photograph a very handsome, very Renaissance kind of man. I just admired him so much for all the bareback, horseback riding. He spoke several languages. He's a poet. Like I said, photographer, I have his poetry books. I have his, some of his photography books still and uh, just an all-around amazing human being. And then Omar Sharif was uh, co-starring and um, was always a Omar Sh- a Sharif fan, you know, back with Peter O'Toole and how all those guys of that era were just, you know, in awe, getting doing drinks with Omar Sheree, you know, in a uh, in Marrakech or Wazazat, the mountains and uh, what have you, but oh, I'm telling that
0: sounds incredible.
1: These fantastic stories of his, his love for Baba Streisand and her love for him, and it, you know, just you know, why they sharing it with me, I have no idea, but they did. I just wanted to be closer to to the actor, you know they they should share that kind of emotion with you about somebody they loved and politics and everything else were completely against them at that time mm. and um uh, so um then the locations you know eastern Sahara desert in the sandstorm to south dakota to photograph the native american part of it or i should really say indigenous people of this country um it was just absolutely awesome but i walked right into a blizzard from a sandstorm into a blizzard so it was a real challenge um uh, vigo also was invited to become a member of the tribe and it was a whole um, half day of ceremony that you know was completely private with him and the indigenous people which i thought was just absolutely i couldn't i only witnessed i couldn't see it but knowing that it was happening was yeah. uh, more than spectacular you know i just say i mean what an honor i mean wow And even the bedouins in in morocco were in all this white boy riding horses bareback on the desert sands with absolutely no fear whatsoever so I got to, that's another thing, that the indigenous people of Morocco and in this country uh, really admired the man, just put him way up my pedestal. Mm.
0: Um,
1: Working with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson on Shanghai Nights was also another one of those amazing moments. Um, uh, Jackie, uh, a professional beyond professional and his whole team and they orchestra their fight scenes like a like a, a dance number and, yeah. they, and the choreography, choreography of this by by jackie is, is something to be seen you know it's just just amazing oh, um owen is a quiet man that gives it all a very professional to work with oh, um it's just a a joy to be around, you know, but he's a quiet man. He's not the kind of guy you can have a drink with or something, you know. But Jackie, on the other hand, I do not recommend drinking with Jackie Chan. He's got a hollow leg. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you lose that round. <laughs>
1: you, you definitely would lose that round. But, um, and then uh, the Cape Blanchette, I mean, what a pro to Uh, Bandits was a movie with her and I have a beautiful photograph I shot of her in black and white that hangs on my wall that I'm extremely proud of. Billy Bob Thornton I've worked on him a few films. What a gentleman he's the only actor I ever saw stick around and sign autographs for fans.
0: Mm. I'd stay
1: there until he as long as he could he's just really what a gentleman What what a nice man and, um, you know, you know Bruce Willis, um, uh, um, uh, he was a little more complicated, but, you know, a uh, really good guy, um, uh, very generous to the crew because you have these, uh, gambling days on Friday, where you you buy a card for five bucks and, you know, see if you can win a couple hundred bucks and <laughs> Bruce would always throw in a, you know, a four or five hundred hours more into the bucket. So, yeah. It was uh, a good win if you if you wanted. That's for sure.
0: So what incredible stories, Richard? My goodness, this is a Barry long way from this. from your beginnings with uh, with Peggy to to this whole world now.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's just uh... and the, the, the band this movie. that uh, you know, back to New York. Um, when I asked John Farnes, I I don't know any real big name still photographers. So would you recommend? And he recommended Brian Hamill to me, who does all Woody Allen movies as a book, Uh, Woody Allen. He also is personal friends of John Lennon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know John Lennon. He had not photographed him at that time, but he was working for Woody. And I said, oh my God, was nervous as hell. And uh, John introduced me to him. an Irish kid from Brooklyn, you know, Pete Hamill's his brother, uh, it was just, you know, reputation, reputation, you know, he's he's worked with all the biggies, and he also, here again, this is luck, he took a liking to me and put me on movies that overlapped the Woody Allen movie that he might be doing, so I did Aphrodite, I did, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I said books over Broadway, I think, I did several of them, you know, you only do like a, a month or to but still watching Woody work his way of working the actors of um, how they work there's a lot of takes so that it can get a little boring but I you know if just to be around those people and building up again building my portfolio up it's like who's yeah. in your book gets you your, your next job I owe a lot to Brian Hamill as, as well it's a generous most still photographers are not that generous and
0: yeah.
1: It was a compete you're really a competition, but he never felt that way. And with bandits, Brian had contracted cancer and um he only recommended me to take over the entire movie and um we've been buds ever since. We've been mm. super 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 friends ever since. So
0: Well, a lot of it is luck, but you're clearly talented because if you didn't have the talent to to back up to actually do the opportunity you know, that would probably oh, yeah. be the end of it. Yeah.
1: That's that other 20%. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Preparation meets opportunity, sure. Um, I just have a couple last questions for you, Richard. Sure. Um, tell me, what are you reading right now?
1: Um, let's see. Uh, it's um, Keith Richards' story.
0: Mm. That His must be biography. fascinating.
1: Yeah, I, I met the Stones in New York, uh, not even Boston, um, ever so briefly. You know, I was just shooting concerts and stuff like that, and somehow I got backstage again and got a couple pictures of that maybe for we all, you know, obviously asked to leave when when the groupies came in and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so reading his story, you know, on, you know that, that, that's reading right now.
0: Fun, 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 and my last question for you is: What piece of music inspires you?
1: Oh, well, inspiration for photography has its own sounds. If I I think about the war, if I think about like a movie like Battle L A., which was all war, I'd listen to The Doors a lot. You know, I Creedence Clearwater Revival and stuff like that. You know, movie that music that kind of. I don't know, it gives you false bravery or something. You just just jump right into it. Um if I'm I'm doing something very arty, I'll play classical music, I'll um mm-hmm. soft jazz, things like that, you know. So music and photography there's no one music for a photographic scene. Just just like in the movies, you know, you they use music to Heighten the excitement, and build the drama, and, and what have you. So I try yeah. to use music to set the tone of whatever. If, if I'm going to do your portrait, and I know you're into jazz, I'm not going to play, you know, hard heavy metal. I'm going to play Sinatra or you know, mm-hmm. Ellis Fitzgerald. To um, so I, I use music as a as a tool to get to know the subject better or the project better.
0: Interesting. see that. Well, Richard, this has been so great. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to come on my podcast, and I hope you feel a lot better really soon. Oh, thank you.
1: And and for your uh, viewers, I was able to meet uh, Trinette on a movie.
0: Yes, way back when.
1: And uh, I'm so glad I did.
0: Yes, that was a, a fun time. That was my first Big movie. I get health insurance from that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so important. Yeah. So important. To any young photographer out there, as you get older, you'll find that health insurance, pensions, and annuities and all that stuff become very, very important.
0: So, yeah. Uh... yeah. Richard and I met on a Celtic Pride, shot in <laughs> Boston. I was um, new to Emerson. I think that was my second semester. At school and I took, um, took a semester out to work on the film. And I'm so glad I did. One of the better decisions that I've made in my life, having done that.
1: Yeah, I am so glad I was there. <laughs> it's also, the last picture i taken in the Boston Garden before they wreck it all, knocked it down.
0: Ah, memories, memories. <laughs> all right, Richard, thank you very much. You're and very welcome. Thank you all for listening to another episode of My Time, My Life. And until next time, take care. Bye. My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint is a Floor 51 production.